0: Here we go, podcast number two. Wait a sec, let me plug in the new microphone. Much better. Right, let's try that again, shall we? Podcast number two. Welcome to Talking with Ty. Here we go, another week of lockdown, and another week stuck indoors. So I thought I'd record another podcast for you, just to let you know what's really going on inside my brain. I had many different things I could talk about in today's podcast, and I thought I'd go with one of my favorite hobbies of all time. That's right, it's time for Ty to talk about some video games. Video games have always been an integral part of my life. Since I was a young boy back in the 90s, even up to right now, all I do in my spare time is watch TV or play video games. Now obviously there are thousands of video games and obviously I can't choose everyone's favourites, so I've narrowed it down to my favourite ten of all time. I've also tried to not choose games that come from the same series. So obviously there won't be like Tetris and Tetris 2. because What's the point of that? Now deciding my top 10 was significantly more harder. More harder? More difficult. That's proper English right there. Significantly more difficult than deciding my top 10 movies. And as always there are going to be some honourable mentions. Now one more thing before I do get started with my top 10. If you haven't played any of these games before then I do suggest trying some of them as they are fantastic games in my personal opinion. So, without further ado, let's get started. Number 10. Now, taking the number 10 spot on my video games list is a game that came out in 2009. It is Assassin's Creed 2. Now, don't get me wrong, all the Assassin's Creed games are fantastic, but there was something about number two, the character Ezio Auditore. He was just amazing, and the game spanned with him about four or five different games, and it showed his journey from being a teenage boy up to, like, a grey, old-aged assassin, and it was just a great story. As well as being a great story, the game was also educational, as people that appeared in the Italian Renaissance era of time actually appeared in this game, such as Leonardo da Vinci, as well as others. Da Vinci's the only one I could think of at this exact moment. And the landmarks that appeared as well looked like the actual landmarks would have done back in that time, as done by photographic evidence. So there was something just cool about thinking, you know what, these places actually existed, So I'm just going to go climb up the side of this massive chapel and just jump off. And knowing that someone back in the day, theoretically, could have done that. The game itself is a free roam open world game. And you just run around, climb up buildings, assassinate people. And there's a big story as well about the Apple of Eden. And it's all slightly very biblical as well. Not that I'm a biblical person. But in the game, I was. I was number nine now coming in at number nine we have a game that was released back in 1996 and then had a massive re-release about 2017 or 18 and it is crash bandicoot now being a child of the 90s you obviously had a playstation one Now, with the PlayStation 1, you was on either one of two teams. You was on Team Spyro the Dragon or Team Crash Bandicoot. I was obviously on Team Crash Bandicoot, hence why it's in my list of top 10 games. Now, in this game, you took on the role of the titular Bandicoot Crash, as he took on the evil Dr. Neo Cortex. Now, at heart, it is just... A classic platformer game. Lots of running, jumping and collecting pointless items that give you 1-ups and extra health. You know like the bog standard thing in this one it was collect 100 wampa fruits. Not apples people, they're not apples. Collect 100 wampa fruits and get an extra life. Ooh, collect this uka uka mask and you can take an extra hit but collect three Uka Uka masks and you become invincible with that amazing little drum beat that came in the background. Now, as I'm sure every video gamer everywhere can agree, there is always levels in video games that stick out to you. Or if there's not a level in the game, like a part of the game. For me, there's two in Crash Bandicoot. The first one is level 14, Road to Nowhere. It's one of the bridge levels in Crash Bandicoot and everyone everywhere can agree that the bridge levels in Crash Bandicoot are just a bitch. They're so difficult to play. I don't know why they put them in there. And I feel like in the Insane trilogy that came out in 2017, these levels were a lot harder than I originally remember them being. Like, when I was eight, they were difficult. But now, they're twice as hard. And the second level of this game I'll never forget about. It's level four. And you say to people, Crash Bandicoot, and this is the level they remember. And it is level four, boulders. It's the first level where it's like, it's Crash is looking at you and is running towards you. So you can't see what you're running at. And there's a giant boulder, all Indiana Jones style, just chasing you. You've got to run left, right, jump over traps and holes in the ground. And what makes it worse is, like I said, you can't see what you're running into. So it's like split second decisions, and it's just absolutely crazy, but memorable nonetheless. Number eight. Now, coming in at the eight spot is a game that has been described to me as the dance mat for people who can't dance, and it is Guitar Hero 3. Now, as a musician, somebody who plays guitar and has played drums before, Guitar Hero should not be a game that I enjoy because it's not playing music, but it's just a great game. And I think the reason I love this game so much is because the soundtrack just absolutely slaps. You start off, there's some Tenacious D in there, there's some Slipknot, a bit of AFI, and it ends with the credits. You can play a level of the game in the credits, and it is Through the Fire and the Flames by Dragonforce, which is notoriously hard for being pretty much impossible to beat on any difficulty over easy. Now, I remember buying Guitar Hero 3 for the first time and getting that black and white controller shaped as a guitar, plugging it in wirelessly, one of the first wireless controllers I ever had actually as well, turning it on and just being thrown into the world of being a rock star. And you just play, all you did was each level, you just press five coloured buttons and strum at the same time. It's very monotonous and repetitive, but for some reason, I learned so many songs playing that. Like I can now know all the words, Tsunade Steve's Metal, Through the Fire and the Flames, there's so many songs in there that I just now know because of that game. Now, I would like to say more about this game because it's obviously on my top 10s of all times, but I can't. It's just a really good game that musicians can really get into. Number seven. Now, we're getting into the part of the list where I was really starting to struggle where to place this game. But here we go. Number seven on my top spot is probably the game that I've spent the most time in my life on, have spent the most money on, and probably will continue to spend time and money on into the future, and it is Skyrim. Now, I've listed down how many times I've bought Skyrim, and get ready for this. I bought it on the Xbox 360, the normal edition. I bought the Xbox 360, legendary edition. Bought it on PS3, the normal edition. Bought it on PS3, the legendary edition. Bought the PS4, legendary edition. Bought it on PC, the normal edition. Bought the PC, legendary edition. Bought the PC, ultimate edition. And then most recently, bought it on the Switch. That's nine times I've bought this game. And considering when you buy a game, it's about 40 quid. So let me see, that's what's that? 360 pounds on a game. And that's if you're putting it at £40 a game. I know when it first came out on the Legend Edition on the PS4, it was 60 quid. Like, that's an insane amount of money to spend on one game. But the problem is, and Bethesda know this, and that's so why they keep doing it, if they bring it out on a new console, I will buy it, I will play it, and I won't feel bad about it. The thing is, what do I love about this game? Well, it's a very simple answer. Everything. From the setting, to the gameplay, to the story. It's a perfect game. You start off as a nobody. You create a character, name your character. and Then you're thrown right into the action. You're about to be beheaded, and boom! Dragon appears and tries to kill you. You spend the entire game just trying to figure out how to kill this world ending dragon when i first played this game my cousin lee showed me the games like oh, i bought this it's a new game it's called skyrim come have a look and he showed it to me and he was and i was very underwhelmed i was like nah this doesn't seem my sort of game he left to go to work and left me with his console and i played it and i got hooked i then went and bought it and i've probably clocked. Nearly over 2,000 hours on this game. Easily. I'm not even ashamed about that. Number 6. Moving in at number 6. We're starting to enter the god tier territory of games now. And we're going all the way back to the early 90s now. With The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. Now this game came out in 1991. Nope scrap that, 1992, I came out in 1991, so I was one when this game came out, and I am completely ashamed to admit that I didn't play it until 2009. I was 18 when I first played any Legend of Zelda game. I'd heard of the character Link before, like obviously playing Super Smash Bros, but I'd never actually played a Zelda game that has since changed obviously I now have played every single Zelda game and it was a difficult choice between A Link to the Past and the newest one A Breath of the Wild because they're two completely different games but they're not they're also the same game if you understand what I mean because I don't understand what I'm saying but A Link to the Past it's just a 2D up down left right hack and slash game that's it at the basics but there's a story behind it there's magic there's good versus evil saving the princess it's just a beautiful game that spawned probably one of the best gaming series around like i'm so hyped for breath of the Wild 2 and i can't wait till it gets released but until it does i know that i will conclude Keep going back and playing A Link to the Past. The fact that you can play it on the Super Nintendo Entertainment bit on the Switch makes me so happy because I can just pick it up and play it anywhere I like, and it's just, it's just ace. Number five. Now, coming in at number five is a game that honestly holds the most special place in my heart, and this game is. Streets of Rage 2. Now, Streets of Rage 2 is a classic 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up game that was released on the Sega Mega Drive 2. And I can still tell you the exact date that I got this game. It was June 24th, 1996. And my granddad bought me this game. And I've loved it ever since. I have so many fond memories of me and my granddad playing this game. He would take the top half of the screen, I would take the bottom half of the screen, and we'd just go round beating up faceless goons. There's not a single bad thing about Streets of Rage 2. The characters are great. Axel, Blaze, Skate, and Max. The soundtrack is probably one of the greatest video game soundtracks of all time. It just bops. And to top it off, it's got so much replayability. I mean, there's different settings. You can have it on easy, medium, hard. Hard is actually quite difficult. You've also got two-player versus mode in which you, you and whoever you're playing with literally pick up a controller and beat each other up. It's good practice for the game as well. Now, obviously I can't forget Streets of Rage 1 and Streets of Rage 3. They came out on the same console around the same time and they were good games. They just didn't hold a candle to number two. And to make my life that little bit more exciting, not even three weeks ago from date of recording, Streets of Rage 4 came out. 26 years this game has been on hold for. And it came back and it is so good. Streets of Rage 4, if you haven't played it, go play it right now. It's not as good as number two. It's equal Number 4 Now, here we go. My first, well, i say my first, newest. That's terrible English. Again, what is wrong with me? The newest game on my list, and it's still not even that new, came out in 2011. And it is to do with one of my favourite superheroes of all time. It's Batman. And the game, of course, is Batman Arkham City. As a follow-up slash sequel... To the popular game Batman Arkham Asylum. Arkham City took everything that was great about the first game. And turned it up to 11. They went from being in one enclosed island. To having an entire city at your fingertips. The combat system. The story. The character. The voice acting. I could go on for ages about why this game is an absolute beast. So much replayability and so much fun. Now the story of this game is the entire city of Gotham, or not the entire city, half the city, has been turned into a giant prison and Bruce Wayne, spoiler alert, is Batman, has been locked inside and he's got to find out what the hell's going on. Now the story itself is absolutely amazing, but what makes this game for me is the side missions. And one set of side missions in particular That's the Riddler's side mission. Now in the first game, the Riddler hid trophies all around Arkham Asylum, the prison. In this one, he hides riddles and challenges over an entire city. So you've just got to run around and find trophies and solve puzzles. And it is just painstakingly, brutally long. It's so annoying, but that's what makes it so much fun. Because you're getting angry with yourself trying to solve the most pointless riddle in the world when the answer is staring you in the face. Sometimes usually like flashing it in neon lights. And you're like, oh, should have got that ages ago. But I didn't. And as well as like the story and the side missions, what makes this game great for me is there is like a challenge mode. And there's like two different sorts of challenge modes. There's one where the combat you've learned through the game, you have to put to the test and like, Defeat rounds of enemies that get increasingly more difficult. And the other one is like a spec ops mode. It's like it sets you certain challenges and tasks to do in like one room. It's like take out four people without being cool, take out four people without throwing a punch. And not gonna lie, I wasn't very good at them. So when I used to play this game, I used to hand a controller to my brother. My brother would do the spec ops covert missions. And then I would just do the beat-em-ups because I could combo like a mother bitch. What took this game up a notch for me from the first one was the fact in the first one, you could only play as Batman. You couldn't get any other costumes, like what you started as is what you finished as. With Arkham City, they upped it to 11, like I said, because you could play as Catwoman in the DLC. And then in the challenge modes, you could play as Robin girl, like a different Robin, Nightwing and they all had like six or seven different costumes each as well spanning from like the 90s animated series even back to like Adam West's 1966 costume and they were just it was so good to see all the variants and how they looked in the real world I say in finger quotes. Number three okay so we're moving into my top three now things are about to get very nostalgic for me so coming in at number three speeding his way in it is everyone's favorite blue little hedgehog it is of course sonic the hedgehog and i had to choose a game i had to choose a sonic game now there are loads of different sonic games i could have chosen some are amazing some are terrible, but the game I've chosen is, of course, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Now, some people might say Sonic the Hedgehog 1 is better than number 2. Me, personally, there's one reason, one reason only, that number 2 is better than number 1, and that is the introduction of two things. One, the spin dash. It's become an iconic move of Sonic. You hold down, press go, he spins with that awesome noise and shoots off at 100 mile an hour. And the other reason is the introduction of Tails. Miles per hour. The fox with two tails. Not a lie. I hated Tails when I first played Sonic. He was just that annoying side character that you couldn't control unless you were in player two. And even then you couldn't really do anything with him. He was just there. And he just... You'd run off. You'd nearly die. And he'd just come flying in from the top of the screen like, what's up? And then he, he'd get caught... By the bad guys and blow up and like lose items you were trying to get he was just a pain in the backside but as time went along they like did make Charles less annoying they made him an actual playable character so i forgive him eventually sonic was one of the first video games that i ever remember playing It was probably like the second game or third and i've just loved sonic ever since like he's had some really good games like sonic 2 sonic 3 most recently, Sonic Mania, but then he's also had some absolutely terrible games, like Sonic Unleashed, where Sonic the Hedgehog turns into a werewolf insert face Palm. Like, why would a hedgehog turn into a werewolf? Then there was Sonic 2006, where there was some weird love story between a hedgehog and a human alien princess hybrid. Who knows? Then there's also been some spin-offs like Shadow the Hedgehog, Get Some Hate, I love it. Then there's Sonic Heroes, like one of the greatest PS2 games I've ever played. But going off on Sonic, now my love for Sonic the Hedgehog got rekindled this year with the release of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Now, the trailer that got released last year made me sick to the stomach. Sonic looked like an abomination, and for some reason, Gangster's Paradise was playing in the background, don't get me wrong, Gangster's Paradise, great song, but not for Sonic the Hedgehog, they gave Sonic some weird humanoid teeth, they made him really tall and lanky, and gave him some massive like leg muscles, and he just looked horrendous, and thank you to the internet for kicking off, because everyone kicked off, and Paramount Pictures went, Oh, we should fix this. They delayed the movie by like six months. Went back and they fixed it. And that movie absolutely bangs. Like I got emotional watching it because of how good it was. One, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Two, Jim Carrey was in it. Three, they introduced tails. Great movie. But back to Sonic Two. Like Sonic Two was so good. Like fast-paced, great levels. Like Chemical Zone. So scary when you're underwater for too long, you hear that you have to try and find a bubble of air, otherwise you drown, don't get wired because hedgehogs can actually swim. Moving on. But I remember not being able to finish Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for years. That final boss that that death eggs, it just beat me every time. I couldn't physically do it. Now I can obviously, but at the time. It was always just a really good challenge, like, how far am I going to get today? Can I collect all the Chaos Emeralds and become Super Sonic? No. No, I couldn't. Number 2. Right, coming in at number 2 is the first video game I ever remember playing. And that, quite frankly, is Super Mario World. Super Mario World, released in nineteen ninety. Is by far my favourite Mario game of all time. It introduced Yoshi. You could play as Luigi. You had the Koopalings. You had Star Road. You had different coloured Yoshis. Everything about this game is perfect. I can't find a fault in this game. I remember playing this at like three years old. Sitting on the edge of my bed in my Batman pyjamas. At like three in the morning. I should have been asleep. I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up. I'd be like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm gonna play Mario. My mum would come in, shout at me to go to bed. I'd go to sleep, wake up at 6 am, and I'd play Mario. To the point, I bought Super Mario Maker 2 just so I could try and recreate Super Mario World in this game. Even though I can still play Super Mario World on like SNES online, I've still got a SNES in my loft, but I just wanna play Super Mario World in like every console I can. Like, I still remember the feeling finishing that game for the first time and it showed the credits of all the characters you've faced and then all of a sudden Mario just started going on a walk with his little Yoshis. It was just beautiful. Like I said earlier when talking about Crash Bandicoot there's levels in games or parts that you'll never forget and there is loads for me in this game. The first one that I can think of is there's a level in the special world. So when you finish Star Road, you go to a special world. And it's like the third level in, it's called Tubular. And personally, until playing the Mario Maker series, Tubular was single-handedly the most difficult Super Mario level I'd ever played. And it's only about 30 seconds long. But there's so much going on in that level, uh, if you take your eyes off focus for half a second, boom, you're dead. The second level that I remember is probably the first Donut Plains one. It's the first level after you beat the first boss in the first world. And it's the first level that you can get the Super Feather, which gives Mario a cape. Then you go halfway through the level, you go down a tunnel, you run up the side of a pipe, and all of a sudden you jump. And you're flying. And there's hundreds of coins. I remember just racking up so many extra lives in that level. Cause you got you do it, you get about fifteen extra lives. You'd finish the level, go back in, do it, get so many more lives. So when you got to the difficult levels like Tubular, if you died, you just laughed it off, You're like, nah, I'll just rack up some more lives. And I remember it being one of the first games that ever really like challenged me puzzle-wise. Cause the only level in it I can think of is the final boss, the final Bowser. There's different paths you can take, some paths are a lot easier than the others, some are really difficult, like, there's some that are in, like, the pitch black with, like, one beam of light, and you have to, like, traverse lava pits and dodge enemies, there's other ones where you just walk, take one jump, dodge one fireball, boom, you're at the end, and the ghost houses, the ghost houses were insane, like, if you miss like, one square, that's it, you're done, like, It was just a puzzle game in itself. And another reason I'm probably a little bit biased about it is... It was one of the first games that I ever played that had Luigi in it. And I love Luigi. I think he's better than Mario. I think he's underrated. Luigi's Mansion. Absolute banger. Like, Luigi needs more mainstream games. Viva la Luigi. Honourable Mentions... Now time for my honourable mentions. The games that didn't quite make the list, but you know what? I still love. Now, there's one game that I didn't realise about until, like, 2015. That's Portal. Like, or the series in general. Two absolute banging games. Still praying number three comes out. A game that everyone's dying to get a remaster of. Simpsons Hit and Run. It was the GTA for kids. Like perfection a game that is getting remastered that i found out like two days ago tony hawks one and two like bring me that pro skater and i know some people are going to get a little bit butthurt about this because saying oh you're not a gamer if you play this but i don't care i'm saying it and i'm proud i love fortnite it's a good game People who think it's not, don't care, I like it, and what. And we've done it, we've reached my number one video game of all time. Now, there are literally thousands of different video games I could have chosen, but this one Always has, always does, and always will hold a place in my heart. As soon as one of these games gets released, I will buy it on release day. I will play it for hours on end, and I don't care what people think. But my number one game of all time is the original. It's Pokemon Red. What can I say that hasn't been said already about Pokemon Red in the past? Absolutely nothing. It's just one of the best games ever made. It introduced me to the world of RPGs, because that's what it is. I mean, it does also introduce me to the world of dogfighting, but we'll pass over that. I still remember getting Pokemon Red. 1998, I got it. I was seven years old on my original Game Boy. I had no backlit screen, no colour, and the sound was terrible. But it has brought me hours on end of gaming. I could probably put on Pokemon Red right now and play that game and finish the entire story mode in like two, maybe three hours max and then do it again because it's that good. Now, I remember Pokemon, there was so many secrets and mysteries re- resolving it that, frankly, before the internet, you couldn't tell was true or not. Like everyone knows these myths and stories like, was there a Mew hidden under the truck at the S.S.N.? Like, no, there wasn't. Like, what was, could you find the GS ball? No, you couldn't. But I remember spending so many hours trying to figure these out, like, and I don't feel like my time was wasted. This game introduced me to the world of Pokemon, like, I still love Pokemon, and some of my favourites actually still come from Gen 1, like, let's be honest, my, two of my favourite Pokemons of all time. One is Charizard. Everyone loves Charizard. He is that go-to Pokemon. And my second one is Gengar. There's something about ghost Pokemon. If if Pokemon were real and I was a Pokemon trainer, I would be a ghost type trainer just so I can have Gengar on my team. Like Pokemon's bought me so many friendships, hours on an end of playing just wirelessly nowadays, thank the Lord, of just battling my friends, having a laugh and just trying to be better than them. Because let's be honest, I want to be the very best like no one ever was like from playing the games i started watching the animes i even started reading the mangas i collected the cards bought merchandise pokemon is probably one of the most profitable companies in the world and i am proud to say that i will always put money into that obviously though with being super like famous and worldwide there's always going to be problems like peter Let's not get into them. But they've pedi- petitioned for years to get the game cancelled because they endorse animal fights and capturing and enslaving animals. So video game, people. Get over it. And then, obviously, there's the rumours of like the Lavender Town mystery. I'm not going to go into that, but Google it. Just Lavender Town music. Look at what it did. It's creepy. And then, obviously, the game could get glitched out to higher heavens with the Missing No Chi and then weird things would happen in the game. And obviously, like, the newer games pay homage to that. And that's what I love about it. Like, it's an ever-growing series, and everyone always says, oh, they don't change the formula. Like, the three stars are always the same types. You always have to do the same things. But if it's not broke, don't fix it. So there we have it, my top 10 video games of all time. Hope some of your favourite games made it onto the list, and if they didn't, well, I'm sorry about that, and if I haven't played some of your favourite games, then maybe someday I will, I might love them as much as you do. But that's all from me for this episode, I'll be back very shortly talking about another top 10, another topic, who knows. But until then, in this world of COVID-19 madness, I hope you're all safe, having a lovely time, And I hope you get back to your new normal very soon. But from me, thanks for listening. And we'll speak again soon.